Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hey man, what's the good word? The good word for today is water. <laughs> why? Oh, are you in the Chicago area? No. Why is Chicago flooded too? Yeah, they're getting some wicked flooding uh, right now. Oh wow! No, uh, it's not. It's not that bad. But we're just having tons and tons of rain. We're looking at a normal April in Saginaw is like uh, one inch of rain, a little bit over. And we had, uh, I think, what was it, four inches in four days? or And we're looking at wow. maybe, maybe eight inches for the month. It's just piling on. Like, our basement is not flooded, but everyone's yard is flooded. A lot of the neighborhood basements are flooded. And if you go uh, to some neighboring communities like Midland, there are roads closed. You can't drive through the water. And a lot of, a lot of yards and basements flooded. Hmm. Holy cow. Kind of a mess. We've... Uh... We've not been getting too much rain or anything, and you know, it, w- winter has finally uh, ended. It seems to it seems to be done. Uh, it's pretty close. Although I'm I'm still expecting one more blizzard, maybe a short one, because just a couple of days ago we had hail and snow. But uh... well, the Mets' first road trip went to Minneapolis, and they got snowed out in one game, and now they're in Denver, and they got snowed out on their first day, and they played in. 30 degree they played a double header in 30 degree weather that was sunk into the 20s and it's something like 18 <laughs> degrees there and they're supposed to play today so i don't know wow happy spring but of course when you go to denver i mean that's the mile high city it's in the rockies i yeah, mean you know yeah. i would expect their winter to be a little more extended but uh, we're we're it's pretty nice out it's pretty good uh, here locally actually i can't uh, i can't complain it came late but it seems to be here that's good. That's good. I'm worried. Last year, like the uh, the Michigan apple crop, because it was so warm earlier in the mm-hmm. year, everything yeah. bloomed and then was frozen. And so the apple yeah. crop was nearly completely wiped out. Yeah, and, we we uh, got a week of 80 degree uh, yeah. temperatures it, in March. And it hasn't done that this year yet, but uh, I don't know what's going to, I mean, do the trees sensitive to just being soaked in water to the point where the roots rot? I don't know. It seems like it could be a double whammy. I'm worried about all the, the Michigan agriculture, but uh, well, we'll see. We'll have to see. I don't yeah. know. So we've uh, we've been away for we been uh, away. six or seven weeks. I blame Paul. Yeah, it's because he's homeless now and has no internet. <laughs> and I, I can't even afford pie anymore. And and no pie. That's right. Very sad. <laughs> Tell us about what what you've been doing because you've been uh, you've been busy too. You got a project going. Yeah, I've been working with this guy who, like, even as long as nine months ago, he contacted me about mixing this rock opera that he wrote. A guy named Wayne, really nice guy, and. It's very complex. He sent me a lot of the tracks, and I asked him. I asked him. I told him how much uh, I'd have to get to mix it, and he said no. He can't afford that. And I said okay, fine. And then um, about six months later, he got back with me and said, okay, I guess I can afford to pay you that now. And the the reality is, I should have doubled my price again because of the complexity <laughs> of these tunes was so huge. I mean, it was even more than you bargained for. Yeah, much yeah. more, much more. And um, so, you know, I started mixing his first tune, which is the easy tune, you know, not many tracks, which is like 40. 40 and, uh, tracks? Are you serious? At 96K. And, wow. And um, 
It was only a two two and a half minute song. It was sort of the intro to the suite. It's like a full on rock opera that he wrote. Well, I mean, it's like, like a, Joe's Garage. What is that like? Like a terabyte per minute or something? I mean, just huge files too. Yeah, it's a lot of data. And the the second song uh, was sixty five tracks. Wow, with like twenty five tracks of backing vocals and. Wow, I actually, I've, I've never um, attempted that in quite anything that nearly that big. I've only hit maybe thirty tracks in my home studio. So. Well, and here's the thing: you know how you can up your buffer size and lower your DSP usage and add more plugins when you're mixing. Yeah. So his second song, which was like sixty five tracks at ninety six k. I got to the point where I started redlining my DSP, and I'm on a four-core, you know, three gigahertz AMD box. I mean, my machine is no slouch. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I, but I'm using some really good plugins, emulations of vintage analog gear, which use a lot of clock cycles. A lot of cycles, so yeah. It got to the point where I had to, I actually exp- re-exported every track as a 48K stem. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I basically just said, you know, export all these tracks again as mono tracks, keep them at Unity, keep them at the level they're at, but just do it at 48K. And that took quite a while, actually. Yeah. And uh, so I re, and then I, what I did is I saved that 96K session as a template. Mm-hmm. And then I, I created a new session at 48K and you loaded that template and bam, I was exactly where I left off in terms of the plugins and what I had them sure. set to and all right. that, which worked out pretty good. But it, it was also the kind of thing where he's in Philadelphia and I'm trying to mix this. Right. Remotely. And he has some very specific ideas about the way he wants it to sound and what is supposed to be where and why and how and every character has a certain effect on their voice so that you associate that with the character you know one guy's got phasing one guy's got flanging and even though uh-huh. they probably sound alike to a lot of people um so it got to the point where like i was sending him a mix and then maybe i'd have to wait three four five six hours to hear back Whether or the he next liked day it or not. yeah and then i had to do another mix and he suggested why don't i just come up there and i'll crash i'll bring my sleeping bag i'll crash on your floor and we'll get this done and cool. it was the type of thing where i needed the money cuz i had some bills that needed to get paid yep a- at first i said no because i was like well he could be an axe murderer and you know <laughs> when you get sort of this seasonal affective disorder depression it becomes a vicious cycle and i didn't want to interact yeah. socially with somebody plus i'm a you know aspergers tend to be a little antisocial anyway yeah well i'd be nervous just like uh, is it it seems like you're Almost, he's now part of that professional relationship, and so he's there and has the ability to like be really irritating as far as second guessing your every decision. Yeah, well, based I've, on I've your mixed experience. with clients is look, you know, clients looking on my shoulder before. That's pretty common when you're in a studio. Sure. You know? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mariah Carey's not there when they're mixing her records because she she wants to get paid, and as long as they can hear her sing, she doesn't really care that much about the rest of the mix. <laughs> the producer decides that, you know. Right. But this guy had a vested interest very much so in this rock opera. So I uh, agreed to let him come up. And then the axe murderer thing kind of became the joke, you know. <laughs> well, you could be an axe murderer. And then the day before he, he took the train to come up, I emailed him and said, you know, it just occurred to me. I could be the axe murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually, he's a, a really cool guy. He's uh, very uh, into the environment, but now he just wants to ba- be an organic farmer and bake bread and grow organic vegetables with his wife, who's singing on this and sings like an angel. And she si- he sings pretty good, too. But anyway, it's done. It took like two weeks of mixing with him in the house wow. you know, to finish these. these it really was nine songs because the 10th song was a gimme. The 10th mm-hmm. song is a bit of an epilogue that he and his wife just sang live in their apartment, you know, like a couple years ago. It's like, it was like a protest song. 
that they wrote when Occupy Wall Street started to seem to gain a little traction. Huh, interesting. So the 10th song didn't even have to be mixed. It was just a mono track of them singing and playing. There was nothing to be mixed. The guitars were a little loud and the room sounded kind of boomy. So I had to kind of, in mastering, I did, you know, I I worked on the the sound as as good as I could. And so then I had to master the thing. And uh, that took quite a while because I wanted to leave some dynamics in it. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to kill it. Well, no, it's it's plenty loud, but it's not. Have you ever loaded like some of these modern mixes into like a yeah. two track editor just to see how it's yes. just a giant rectangle of blue, basically? Yes, it looks you know? like it has a crew cut, a total crew cut. It's just everything is you can't see any changes in the levels over the. Yeah, and of the I, track. I wasn't going there. There's this new standard called the EBUR one twenty eight standard, mm-hmm. which a lot of mastering engineers are using to decide how loud their mixes are. Yeah, and I've looked at a lot of these modern mixes, and they're like fifteen and a half or. 16 on this scale, the loudness loudness units. I think they call it LUFs, loudness units, full scale LUFs. And, you know, I mastered these to like 12 and a half or something. You know, when you're at when you're at like 15 or 14, that's when you get the giant crew cut with it looks like a giant rectangle. of blue. There's there's no no there's no real subtlety. There's nowhere for the sound to go as far as emotionally when you want a quiet passage. It's just all even the quiet passages are super loud like that. I find it awful, actually. So, yeah, yeah. I like so I wanted dynamics, to leave. Yeah. wanted to leave some dynamics in it. And my job is done. It's done. It's mastered. What he and his wife are doing are uh, working on the artwork. They're uh, compiling and, and uh, writing a libretto since this is our he calls it a suite. I call it a rock opera. Mm hmm. And it's kind of about politics, you know, and about uh, living a simpler life. It's not based on the works of Ayn Rand, right? It is not. Okay. No, I, I think he uh, <laughs> he would reject Ayn Rand's philosophies, and uh, rightly. Yeah. But, yeah, so it, it was a nice project, and it's actually pretty cool. Some of the tracks were uh, – most of the tracks were recorded kind of on the road. He's a dual citizen with uh, Italy and the U.S., so – he goes to Italy and, um, and, you know, he travels and lives in hostels and, you know, Europe on $10 a day, you know, wow. that kind of thing. Yeah. And he brought his laptop and, you know, there are there are some vocal tracks where you can hear Italian cars driving in the background. <laughs> He's got some guitar tracks that he recorded in Philly with trucks rumbling in the background, which actually adds some atmosphere. Once I EQ'd yeah, out the low end yeah. rumbling, it sounds like water or something. It, it actually sounds like something we added on purpose. Oh, cool. Uh, it sounds, but it's I mean, I, you can. I think you can be a little bit too perfectionist. I sort of like the idea that the album has a lot of flavor from the places it was recorded. So, that's well, cool. I, I do too. Um, if he knew how to record better tracks, though, you yeah. know, having a little bit of atmosphere in them would be would be cool. But I really had to massage these tracks quite a bit to get them to sound, you know, like something. And uh, for example. He and his friends really didn't know how to capture a drum kit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I find is when I'm recording in my little home studio, such as it is, is if I'm doing a lot of vocal tracks, the imperfections of the room and the reflections and my mic and whatnot and the computer noise and whatnot, when I mix them, then that stuff adds up. You know, it builds up to the point where it's yeah. really noticeable. Well, he had distortion in his vocals and his interface must have crapped out one day because like there was this one vocal track with his wife singing where there were these very consistent kind of clips in it. It wasn't like he sung loud because you could see from the previous peaks in the song that they weren't singing too loudly and they didn't have too much gain. But there were these weird little 
Cons- was, so his interface must have flipped out or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I. I mean, he's got a FireWire interface, which is a you know, and it's just two tracks. So there's no reason why. No. The inter- the, I mean, the interface was certainly fast enough. You know, I, I sent it to a friend of mine, and he thinks the the chip just kind of. You know, something in it just freaked out. It crashed yeah. basically for a moment, and it didn't know what it was doing. So, um, so it lost you know, some samples, and then you get a, a, a well, it abrupt, was uh, like a square wave. Yeah, yeah, well, it mine, was really mine dro- ugly. Mine gives out every once in a while. I've got a, an Apogee Ensemble, and and it'll just it'll start adding blobs of noise or just be misbehaving well, and i hope it's as behaving i know today, <laughs> from uh, having to mix the uh, yeah, yeah mix your tracks on the podcast but so what what i end i didn't have any tools to smooth these tracks over so i actually sent it out to a friend of mine who's got all of the high-end sonox restoration plugins mm, and everything yeah, yeah. and and my client actually sent him a check just to smooth over this track and you can still hear distortion but it's not snaps you know it sounds yeah, right right it's doable because he didn't want to have to go. He wanted the session to be done when right. he left here. He didn't want to have to go home and have his wife re-sing something, which she wasn't really sure. into doing. Right. And so and you, can't, you, know, you can't get the exact feel, the exact timbre of the voice and the recording. You know, oh, well, that doesn't matter. Stuff like that is all over the suite. You know, the beginning 10 seconds of the vocal was recorded in Italy. The second 10 seconds were Oops. recorded in, a, <laughs> in you know, he's got, you know, and I really scolded him for this. He has songs where in the same song, the, the drums on the first half were recorded a different day than the drums on the second half with a completely Oops. different miking arrangement, which totally means oh, wow. any EQing and any stuff I did to the first set of drums does not apply to the second set of drums. So that means they have to be put on their own tracks. So now we have twice as many drum tracks as we need. And I'm using really cool high-end plugins like the Fairchild compressors to really make the kick and the, the snare pop. So now I'm running twice as many instances. So, yeah. I mean, there, there are yeah. many reasons why I was like sort of topping off my DSP, redlining it. And, and you know, yeah, so you he were, had you a were big kind education. of stressing. This was a big job. <laughs> well, it, it, it is a big job. And, um, uh, yeah, I, well, I can say without question, this is the longest mix I ever did, and the most complex mix I ever did. Wow! So when, I mean, when do you think question. it's it's going to be available as a, a well, finished product for people? To he's hear? farming his ass off right now. He works at an organic farm down in Pennsylvania, so he and his wife are. I mean, I've been in contact with him every day since, but you know, they're getting some nice warm weather. They had a couple eighty degree de- days last week, so they've been uh-huh. transplanting all the stuff they started in the greenhouse. They've been putting into the fields. So he's been working his ass off, and um, you know, I'm thinking two or three weeks, um, I'll be able to to give you guys a Bandcamp link, and he's gonna, you know, pay what you want. You can pay zero, you can pay a hundred dollars, whatever you want, whatever you think the suite is worth. Cool. Yeah, and because it's a, a rock opera, and it's meant to be listened from beginning to end, kind of in the same listening, he really isn't going to release like individual songs. What we are exporting is uh, for all the high-res audiophile fanatics, we're going to have a 2448 <laughs> export that you can download as a FLAC file with a Q or a TOC file in case your media player um, can read that, and then you can have track delineations and stuff like that also. Cool. And we're also going to release a 1644.1 with a Q and a TOC file so that you can burn your own CD, you know, and it'll have the right track markers and stuff for the songs begin and end because because it is a rock opera. Some songs are fading while other ones are coming in. Mm-hmm. There, You know, yeah. it's not a traditional CD. It's almost like a live CD where there's, you know, pretty much from song to song, a two-second gap would never be appropriate between songs. Mm-hmm. 
And he's not going to burn his own CDs because, you know, he's very environmental and he doesn't like plastic. But uh, if you want right. to burn one, we are going to give you the uh, the facilities and the tools, not the tools, but the, the files to be able to do that. You, you have to do what's called a disc at once burning, which most mm-hmm. things can do now. But uh, anyway, it's cool. And yeah, it like was a lot of work. It. Yeah. You'll get to hear it uh, shortly, hopefully. Very so, exciting. Uh, any other news on your current uh, dilemma? Yeah, well, I still have no job, and um, you know we're hitting bumps. Like uh, I had to take the car in because uh, the check engine light was on, and it, it turned out, of course, that the money tank was empty, and so I had to put a thousand bucks in it for them to turn the light off. But uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we are still waiting on our. Um, I- I'm collecting unemployment. I- I'm applying for a lot of jobs. Um, we're trying to work out our health benefits. I think we're not going to pay COBRA. Uh, Grace and the kids are going to be covered by um, uh, Medicaid, but uh, I am mm-hmm. not eligible. And so I'm going without health insurance. At least I'm, I might have catastrophic health insurance from the county, which means if I get hit by a bus, they'll cover something. But um, yeah, we I, did I mention the, the lead exposure thing last time? I don't know if you mentioned that. I mean, you mentioned it to me. Yeah. I don't know if it uh, made its way into the podcast or not, though. It might have, we, actually, now that I think about it. but We, we discovered that uh, um, three of the kids had notable levels of lead in their bloodstreams. And that made us really worried because lead can really screw with your developing brain. And uh, there's no real safe level per se, you know. So we think we know where the exposure may have happened, but we're having uh, a crew come out. And since I now am low income, they're going to do the testing for free. We're going to get a, a an inspector out to, like, sample our uh, all the paint in our home, you know, every well, surface. Where, do you think that's what it is, the paint? or? I don't think it, – it could be some of the paint in our home, like old paint on window frames, you know, bec- like all the wall paint – in the rooms has been redone since lead or covered up since lead paint was was banned but there could be some bits but i i think actually uh it's either from the soil in our yard which would be lead from leaded gasoline because in a suburban neighborhood like this that's existed since the the 1920s or so you just have this accumulation of lead from leaded gasoline and we disturbed the soil a lot when we had it all dug out to build our garden sure. beds yeah and and that could be it because the kids were in that soil even when it was and playing in it even when it was just a pile you know maybe the food from the garden wouldn't have a lot of lead in it but the soil and the dust as it dries out and releases dust into the air so that's one possibility it also may be uh, the kid's uh, grandmother's house was a much oh, older, right. a much older building that was in much more deteriorating shape, and uh, we want to get that building tested. However, I mean, the kids are no longer spending time over there, but um, if that's where it was from, then actually that's good news because it should mean that the next time we have them tested, their levels will have declined. Well, is one of the kids that has some uh, high lead levels the Doctor Who fan? Yes. Is there any chance they've built a time machine and went back to the Roman Empire or something and (laughs) drinking out of 
glasses made of lead and plumbing systems with lead pipes and stuff. Just an idea. Uh, just throwing it out there. Interesting. You know? It's uh, maybe he was a centurion and he's he's been waiting around for thousands of years to get. He back could have to been. Him. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find a cute red haired girl uh, knocking on the door <laughs> soon, uh, wanting to visit him. But uh, well, cool or I not cool so. in the case of the lead. But let, let's jump into tune number one, and then uh, we can talk briefly about Boston and uh, our our future plans, I guess. And uh, yeah, we'll do that. Sounds good. All right, let's check it out. Like a dead man Got a 30 year plan That'll see him to his grave He's got a safe life Always has to measure twice Then he's got to measure one more time He's measuring the grave How to change Reaches out and wakes his wife Says, honey, I want to live I want to try Let's be brave and terrified Instead of jumping in the grave This is a song from the inside of the egg Can't somebody somewhere Come and help me break out Come on Pretty dark in here now Get me out of here now Nothing left to fear but fear I'm ready now It feels too small Be my head on the wall Think I'm doing it right now Cause I see a little bit of light now Soon enough gonna die The calendar is flipping by We lie there in the night time And wonder how to change So come and gaze into my eyes And tell me what you want to try Let's be brave and terrified In honor of the grave This is a song from the inside of the egg Can't somebody somewhere come and help me break out Come on, pretty dark in here now Get me out of here now Nothing left to fear but fear I'm ready now It feels 
Yeah, that was Jenny Katz, uh, a tune called Egg. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like that tune. It's a little bit of philosophy with the music. You know, I love that line. She let's does be, that. Let's be brave and terrified in honor of the grave. I, it feels kind of relevant to me as you're looking at like trying to make major life choices, like new job, that kind of thing. If she were really cool, that song would have been called "I Can Eat Fifty Egg." I can eat fifty eggs. Like what is that, Paul Newman? Paul Newman from Cool Hand Luke. Oh yeah. my God! What a disgusting scene that was. <laughs> what a great movie, though, right? It was you a know? great movie. Yeah. One of the. Yeah. I mean, who's cooler than Cool Hand Luke? And I think the answer is nobody. Yeah. You know? yeah. But. Um, so yeah, I guess we can talk about current events briefly. Uh, in it, well, we had the, uh, terrorist bombing of, uh, the Boston Marathon a couple days ago, which was, um, actually I was really shocked by that because I was, um, watching, uh, Game of Thrones on HBO Go, kind of in a browser. You can, um, you can do that on the internet. So I've been catching up on the Game of Thrones, which is Mm -hmm. up to uh, like episode three. And I they're, had been they're watching on season three. Season three now, yeah. I yeah, haven't, on, I haven't seen the, season two yet, but it's out on yeah, DVD. Yeah. So I, I I started the morning by uh, just clicking on the news, and um, I guess I wasn't paying that much attention as I was making breakfast. And then I sat down to catch up on this episode, and I turned the volume on the TV down, and uh, I was getting into. Uh, the beginning of the Game of Thrones episode, and then they were showing like this footage of what looked like a racetrack, and I couldn't tell what it was. I, yeah. you know, it was yeah. a, it was a road, and nobody was on it, and there was debris, and I was like, oh, did something go wrong in a ra-? like a car race? I was thinking, I didn't know, and then I right, turned it off, right. and I said, well, I'll, I'll find out what that. I'm sure that wasn't that big of a news. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll watch this Game of Thrones, and I'll I'll catch up on that in an hour, and then I turned it back on and, and heard about the bombing yeah. at the Boston Marathon, and. Uh, is shocking, unbelievable. I mean, uh, wow. Why would anybody do that? I mean, I, I have my suspicions about the the who's and the hows and the whys, but uh, I just don't get it. You know? Yeah, it does remind me a little bit of uh, of when I heard about nine eleven. When Grace and I heard the news, her her mother actually called us and told us, you know, turn on the news. Someone just flew a building into the world, or yeah, flew a building. They threw a, a building into the airplane of the World yeah. Trade Center. Yeah. yeah, but and we were so, uh, you know, we actually were like, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh, she's just, <laughs> I don't know what she's doing, making a bad joke or something, but yeah. So I wasn't, I didn't have the experience of seeing it live. I still have not watched, like, uh, gory pictures and, and video footage. I don't. I really don't want to. I, I think I understand what happened, but I don't need to, to, uh, to see all the all the. Well, uh, the the actual footage of the bombs going off are are pretty. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know how to say this without sounding uh, like I'm under under esti- what, what's the word I want to use. But basically, down, you heard a boom downplaying it. Basically, you yeah. know the the actual footage of like the various cameras that they've been showing the footage of isn't mm-hmm. like gory or horrifying. I mean, I know people were killed and maimed, but you know the bomb was like around a corner, so you saw it's an explosion yeah. and you saw some white smoke puff out, and a couple of the runners kind of got knocked over by it, the concussion of the blast. But you can't but see all not, the shrapnel on the video, you know. All yeah, the bits it's and not pieces. like you could see, you know, people screaming and yeah. and things like. Like that so the footage the footage itself isn't too graphic from a, a gore kind of perspective right um you know what well what you do see are the first responders reacting instantly mm-hmm. and, and some stuff like that and yeah that seems interesting that that so many people jumped in I, I was listening to a guy 
on NPR who was actually a, an Iraq combat vet who was talking about running in and trying to you know help uh, stop people from blood loss, applying compression to people's injuries. And he was saying it looked like a war zone. And, and well, really, I'm sure it did at the at the point of the blast. Yeah, yeah I mean, it looked like an I, an IED results, you know, which it basically was. So. Yeah, yeah, and in in many ways, it was it, it, the Boston Marathon because it's an event where people, you know, people die marathoning, and they know people are going to have dehydration and. You know, there are going to be people collapsing on the road. There's tons of medical staff on hand all the time. They had a all big, throughout the race. It was right, right near the, the bombing uh, happened right near the medical tent at the end of the race. Is that true? Well, but even the, the you know, there are there are uh, medical people over the whole course of the race because oh, okay. an injury can happen anywhere. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there was no lack of, of first responders there. And yeah. it did happen uh, at the end of the race near the finish line where there are tons of medical people, right. too, because, you know, you might you know, you might have been hurting but wanted to finish the race. But when and, you cross the line, you need some attention. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, that very probably made fortunate. a big difference in the number of, of injuries that, that weren't deaths, you know? Oh, I, I absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there was tons of ambulances there in case of, you know, an injured runner and tons of medics and, and, uh, yeah. So it was, it was actually a good thing that it was that kind of race because they were able to get the, uh, you know, the help to the people right away, you know, right now, three fatalities and like 120 something wounded. Mm -hmm. They were interviewing one of the doctors and, you know, he had had a long day of surgery and he was like, well, I've done, I've done six amputations already today, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I have one comment that I thought was really revelatory and and insightful uh, was that um, in this coverage, in the, the coverage of the, uh, in still photography from all the injuries and, and fallout from the, the uh, explosions, we were seeing uh, injuries of the type that we would have been seeing from the war in Iraq if and, and Afghanistan if the press had been doing the same kind of job and they weren't all embedded and censored and, and told you know. what they could say and watch and yeah so we're seeing so it's like uh, almost we're seeing the horror of those wars in a co- totally different context. Well, the the Pentagon learned during Vietnam that when you show the body bags, wars become surprise you know, public opinion. Yeah, it turns yeah, against the a, war. Right. They learned that lesson uh, in a big way. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm I can't overlook the fact that the the bombing happened on Patriot Day and April fifteenth, which was Tax mm-hmm. Day. Right. And right. was I, it a, was I, it a Tea Party group related or well, something like that? Anti taxers. Yeah, I have a feeling it was some extreme right wing. In other words, it's going to be a white American who uh, who did this. I have a yeah. feeling. I could be wrong. This is just my own feeling. I have no evidence to back this up. But I just find the coincidence of Boston, Boston Marathon, Patriots, mm-hmm. Patriot Day, taxes are evil. The government doesn't have the right to tax us. Blah right. blah blah. Right. So I have a sneaking so, so suspicion. So kill civilians. So kill runners. To, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, because we're cowardly fucks. You know, yeah. we're the kind of people who chant war, but we avoid it whenever we have to go. You know, like most right wingers do. And uh, yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what's yeah, happening. We'll see there's, how it there's plays no out. Real, I don't think there's much solid information. There's a lot of people jumping to conclusions. And well, they are getting some solid information now. Actually, the are they the okay. the first day? Of course, there was a brown person near the site of the blast, so everybody <laughs> tackled him because he looked suspicious. And what, what yeah, in what way right. did he look suspicious? He was he running was away from a bomb. Right. Yeah, you know, that's and pretty brown. suspicious running, behavior. Running while brown. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, Lord knows uh, any bombs go off, I'm running to them. I'm not running away from them. <laughs> you know, because uh, that would be suspicious if I ran away from a bomb that would just went off and I wanted to save my life. But, yeah. well, they do have some pictures. Uh, of course, the good thing about our modern technology age is that at any given moment with runners carrying cameras and their oh, families sure. carrying yeah. cameras... There lots is, of footage, lots of footage. There's probably hours and hours of footage of the finish line, even though individual videos are probably only a minute long, like watching right, their husband right. cross the line. So they probably have thousands of still photos and hundreds of hours of camera footage of the finish line. And the suspect could be in the background of any one of a number of those shots. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he is. Right. <laughs> and he's in one of them. He or she is in one of them and or, or the group of them, whoever they were, and... Um, you know, you would everybody's saying, well, when they find out who this is, let's not give them the publicity they want. Well, it seems to me like the period of where you would claim publicity, you right. know, where you would have it's claimed. Over. Yeah. So if they actually wanted publicity, like we are the new radical liberation front liberation of, group of and Judea we hate taxes. Something. Yeah, they would have done that already. So, yeah. you know, um, I don't think they did this for, you know, I think they're going to hide until they get caught because they're cowardly motherfuckers because that's the way these people yeah. operate, you know. So and, so you're, uh, you're not a, a fan of the false flag operation theory. Oh, yeah. Well, that was called by Alex Jones right away. I mean, within yeah. five minutes, the false flag. And I know you're being facetious, but boy, what a nutbag he is. Oh, my God. I'm being slightly facetious. I don't actually believe it was a false flag operation, but I do believe that a government like uh, the Obama administration will not let a crisis, aka an opportunity, go to waste. You know, I, I think that that this will be an excuse uh, bandied about for you know why we have to allow anonymous drone strikes within the U.S. on American citizens or something like that. Some well, we'll some, see. I mean. The real false flag operations happen during war. You know, um, yes. what's the famous Vietnam one? I can't think of right now. The um, Gulf of Tonkin incident. The Tonkin, yeah, the, the yeah. Gulf of Tonkin thing was classic. And yeah, he is a bit of a nut, but I do admire his spirit, and I don't think he's actually wrong about everything by a long shot. So, well, uh, even paranoid people are being followed sometimes. <laughs> but you know, he's probably borderline mentally ill. I think, right. but. Well, anyway, so what about this show? What are we going to do? A show once a month? Are we going to try to do a couple more shows? Because we, we took the hiatus without announcing it, and we apologize for that. It's Paul's fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rich got really uh, busy. What can he say? Yeah, it's Paul's fault. I got really busy. <clears throat> Paul got less busy in some ways and more in others, which is an I'm, interesting irony. I, I'm keeping very busy, honestly. I, I have, like, today I'm having three uh, phone interviews, it's, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at lots of options. I am I'm very very busy and very concerned and try just trying to ma manage even just trying to manage benefits and all these health care issues and insurance issues and whatnot and and benefits issues that's that's practically a full-time job in and of itself but um i'm i'm up for recording you know we can continue we can look at it you it, know once every couple of weeks at, at least or talk a, about it once a week and see what our schedules are like yeah i think where we're feeling kind of drained of topics and one of the reasons was that we were just a little burned out on politics our, our politics our political topics but also um i didn't feel like we were getting enough listener feedback to make us feel really plugged into an audience you have that feeling too? yeah well i do i do 
Um, and I well, actually, I have something on that because uh, all of the voicemails were going to spam. Gmail started in intercepting them, and I, w- I had to go back and find them all. Um, and none of them were from users anyway, <laughs> because you yeah. have to you have to phone our voicemail once a month, or they'll delete the account. So I usually phone in once a month and just go, eh, you know, I just yell at it, and then it sends <laughs> me a file of me yelling at it. But then I noticed I stopped getting them when oh. I would. You know, just I would do a once a month call to keep the voice active. So then you were wondering if it was dead altogether or something. Well, no, because when I called it, it was my voice. It didn't delete my outgoing voice message, but I I figured it was a spam filter thing, and it was. And I went back, and it turns out we didn't get any actual voicemails. (laughs) So, um, you know, but but I white flagged. We could answer the spam. That might be fun. We weren't even getting spam. (laughs) We weren't getting anything. But I did white flag um, that email address. So now if people uh, call the voicemail, 206-376-0397, it will always come right through to our our mailboxes. Okay. Well, we'll look at it once a week. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll do one once every two weeks because I did need to refresh. I definitely needed to 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 recharge, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I have been um, just on the topic of trying to keep people up to date. Uh, I still I have been posting conversations with Grace, with my wife, as we've talked about a few things. So if people are interested in the in the news and in our our kind of version of political discussion, talking about things like WIC and health benefits and the, the lead poisoning and the job search and all that, uh, they can look at uh, the general purpose podcast dot blogspot.com and 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 find some stuff there so yeah and just google pots general purpose podcast and you'll find that but well so we'll we're not going away and we apologize for going away it's all paul's fault and um yep. we will uh, we will definitely <laughs> do some uh, do some more shows i do feel refreshed i feel recovered from that uh arduous two-week mix and then two days of very intense mastering yeah if there's anything i want to apologize for it's it's it would be that we didn't take like a defined hiatus we didn't say like okay we're going offline for for the next two months or something like that and we'll see you on such and such a time i feel bad for that but i don't feel bad about taking a break oh not at all i definitely was i mean you know Definitely in need of a recharge, and uh, I'm feeling a little better. And with spring and more oh, sunlight, yeah. I'm feeling better in general. Baseball season started in the meantime. I mean, I love baseball. I'm I actually to threw the a gym, few curling but... rocks uh, this did... year too. I went down. Did you? Uh, That's cool. To the... Well, I, you know, because I can go as somebody's guest. As long as I'm the guest of a member, I can go any, as long as there's ice time, I can go practice. So I ended up going a couple times and throwing some practice stones. And some friends of mine were here from Minneapolis, and the, the girl Kate. Uh, started curling in a club last year, but they don't give instructions. So I brought her to the club, and we we did some instruction one Sunday morning, and then we played a sort of little impromptu game. But then she hurt her ankle and couldn't play with us. But Oops. yeah, you know, I threw two stones, and I almost hit the center, the what they call the button of the. Uh, it's it's muscle memory, you know. It's amazing yeah, yeah. how yeah. I hadn't thrown a stone in eleven months, but man, the second rock I threw, it felt like I was almost ready to start playing again, you know. Well, what I started to do uh, to try and keep my mood up and my energy level is I've been going to the gym. And uh, you would think... <laughs> you would think that after... Uh, after <laughs> you would think that after almost three years of, of uh, really serious inactivity at my desk job, and just, you know, with parenting small kids, you don't get a lot of time when you and can all actually that leave. And all that pie you've been eating. And all the pie, 
that that I would be just a disaster on the gym. But in fact, you know, when I get on the treadmill, my heart rate response and my and fitness level not hadn't actually declined that much. So I so I yeah. feel pretty good, and it does make me feel better. I'm uh, I'm doing my my curls and bench press and and uh, machine assisted dips and pull ups, and then just spend. I got to do that myself. I got to yeah. get back. You know, the gym's been a little pricey, but I have a little more income now. So I got to get back and, and do cardio is really my thing and get my cardio level really going. Yeah, so in a month yeah. when it's really warm, I can get on the bike and uh, Yeah, it definitely really helps helps up. my mood, even if I feel like Free endorphins, crap, baby. If I feel like crap beforehand and I just don't want to do it. But if I drag myself, make myself do it, you I always feel better, feel better when, you, when you're done. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. true of everything with me in general. You know, even social things. <laughs> I, I hate, I dread them. But then when I've gone oh, and come yeah. home, I, yeah. I'm glad that I went. But I know what you mean. So. Anyway, man, I guess that's a show. I guess that's a show. I'm glad we were able to record today. So. Yeah, to yeah, to and uh, yeah, yeah. It's good, and it's nice to let our fans know we're not dead. Not dead. So, yet. Uh, Check yet. us out on the web, www.bloodyveg.com. Let's be brave and terrified in honor of the grave. Send us feedback, feedback at bloodyveg.com. And check the voicemail line out now that I fixed it, 206-376-0397, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.